0: Welcome to the Choose Optimism podcast brought to you by Optimist International, a podcast to let you know of all the good things that might be happening right in your own backyard. This is a podcast to highlight the positive influences of Optimist Clubs right in your own community. We always like to start our podcast off with a quote, and this one's more of a quote plus a definition wrapped into one. It's optimist, a noun. Someone that knows taking a step backward after taking a step forward is not a disaster. It's a cha-cha. And speaking of optimists, it's my pleasure to introduce our guest today. We have Dr. Michael Listenberger with us today, who has been an optimist for quite a few years, it looks like, on your resume you sent us earlier, Mike. Thanks for being with us, Mike. It's certainly my honor and pleasure. So, Mike, one of the things we always do for our listeners is we like to hear your optimist story. I know uh, if you want to sum up your optimist story, how did you become an optimist and what is your optimist story? Well,
1: the optimism um, came from 1972 when I first moved to Niles, Michigan. And back in 1972, I was starting up a eye care practice, Um, new in town, didn't know anybody. But within uh, time, I got going. And the thing I really wanted to do is find out um, I wanted to connect with people. I wanted to know who the people were in Niles, Michigan. And so, in that process, well, in that process, I ran into my, um oh, he was a insurance salesman, and he was so energetic. Uh, he was great. He talked really fast. and but he's enthusiastic, so enthusiastic that that enthusiasm really caught me and said, if I want to join an organization, that's what the organization I want to join.
0: And that I did. Uh, the rest, um, really was wonderful changed my life so you were new in town and somebody invited you to an optimist meeting simple as that so one of the things we always talk about is following president bob uh thing that he had going for optimist just invite just goes to show you never know if you invite someone they might be one of the best optimists you ever meet absolutely correct (laughs) so no but you gotta ask if you if i've always learned if you never ask the answer is always no. Well, yeah. So, Mike, what are the things, why should someone choose to be an optimist? Why? What is What drives you to be an optimist?
1: Well, I kind of look at it in a big picture. Um, been around the globe in terms of eye care, not only eye care, but also optimists. But the thing is, in my opinion, the world needs optimism, uh, perhaps more now than any time in history. Um, we have so much exposure to so many things. Uh, and... We, we tend to end up negative, but the news, the press, the media, all the social media, there's a study that shows that people are four times more likely to be watching a negative story than they are a positive one. And the reason is that we're kind of programmed as human beings. And this is a little history, if you will, if you don't mind the link. Uh, For the last 150,000 years, humans have had to respond quickly to danger because that was back in the days when there were lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Uh, and your life is at stake. So you needed that. And the brain is wired, the am- amygdala on the temporal lobes uh, speeds up the action of the response. But anyway, you're attracted. That's why you're attracted to negative. So um, we... It's a different world. We have to think for ourselves. When we sit down and uh, peruse our social media sites, we have to really pick things that, that are helpful, that are going to move us forward, not that it's going to draw us down. And so uh, that's why optimism is so so important. Uh, we, we can even bury ourselves in negativity or we can come out being optimists. I have some research. If uh, you want to hear a couple quick quotes on research to do with what I'm saying. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, several organizations, uh, well, universities got in the job of researching optimists and uh, positive thinking. And Harvard, for example, comes out with a whole number of studies, they're clinical studies, but they show that optimists live longer, optimists are healthier, and optimists are happier. Uh, A couple of short things from Mayo Clinic uh, about positive thinking. And for them, they've learned that positive thinking increases your lifespan, lowers your rates of depression, lowers your level of stress and pain. It provides resistance to illness. It gives you better psychological and physical well-being and better cardiovascular health, reducing risk of death, disease, and stroke. So we want to live in the optimist world. So if you want to live for a long time, that's a, being an optimist is a good,
0: good plan. So what you're saying is optimism is good for your health. Absolutely. <laughs> When you, as you said earlier, you joined in 1972. When you first joined, what was a meeting typically like for you when you went to an Optimist meeting? Well, it was very upbeat.
1: They were new. They were just a year old and just a year before I moved to town. uh, It's a big group. Um, 50 people or so would come to to the Holiday Inn back in the day. And uh, very upbeat. They had fines. They had just fun things to do, good programs. But the main thing was that you connected with a lot of positive people and you enforced each other with positive living and um, finished with the Optimist Creed. And that really picked us up and brightened up our day.
0: And I'm sure reciting the Optimist Creed is, you know, most of us know it by heart with, as it starts, you know, promised yourself to be so strong. What what are some of the changes that you've seen in your meetings? Are they still the meetings that you remember going to or have things evolved as the club has gotten older?
1: Well, they've evolved a little bit. They've um I think most one of our issues globally is um uh, the social media taking over some of the um you know, participation in both service clubs and uh churches. I don't know if you noticed that, but not to be again the negative part, but um, no, we were pretty much the same for many, many years. Uh, we had a lot to do, um, uh, big programs, but, uh, during COVID, I would say that that was a kind of a tough time is because back in, we discontinued meetings and then we started after a year. So we started about one, once a month and we just lost a lot of members and their, their enthusiasm. So we're right in the process of building that back. That's our job today.
0: Well, like you said earlier. Optimism is good for your health, so they should come to a meeting and have some fun to uh, stimulate all this good things that we have happening in our communities.
1: Absolutely, people need friends, and um, optimists make friends. And optimists are positive, and there's still that social
0: media. <laughs> But we're competing with them, but we're going to win. Optimists are going to win. Mike, when you were uh, a, a member of this club, what are some of the roles? Were you a club chairman for anything, for projects, or have you a past president? Uh, what are some of the things that you have done that have improved your life being an optimist in uh, your optimist club? Well- Yes, uh,
1: I guess my first big job was being secretary treasurer of the club, which was uh, quite an education. Um, uh, I learned a lot about the inner workings and the board and all of that, so that that that, that helped. Um, oh, so along the way, I guess. Well, I was asked to be president, and that was kind of a good challenge, a challenge that I appreciated and accepted and um, had a heck of a lot of fun doing that. So uh, in the club level, uh, yes, that's the main thing.
0: What are some of the projects that your club does or fundraisers that they put on as a club that they've done in the past Mm -hmm. or are doing now?
1: Um, One of our first was the first really big one was, uh, uh, oh, let's see. It was a soapbox derby. Uh, that was a big thing back in the 70s. Uh, That's kind of where we got started. Uh, The turnout was great. The kids worked for three months putting their uh, race cars together, the parents and friends. The whole community seemed to turn out. I mean, there were thousands of people, and they would run down Third Street, and that was a big one. Uh, It's evolved. We've done so many things, hundreds of events, uh, tried a whole lot of different things, all the standard events that uh, optimists do that are available to optimism. But right now, our biggest is uh, soccer. Uh, we have a tremendously good soccer program. Um, we just built six new soccer fields for little kids. <laughs> and we start at five and go to seven, eight, nine, uh, on up to uh, junior high. But um, that was just the ball, seeing the young kids play and so excited and the parents cheering. Uh, that was really good stuff. So those are the kind of things we did.
0: You know, for our listeners that uh are optimists or ha- are not optimists that are thinking about becoming optimists, building a soccer field is quite the uh quite the accomplishment. I tell me a little bit about that one. What uh what kind of stuff did you go into that to build six soccer complexes? Well,
1: uh soccer was kind of all over the country in different places, schools and and parks we did but for the small kids, uh, they were trying playing on a big or we'd divide a field. It just didn't work. And quite honestly, it was fairly simple because the soccer for little kids needs to be little. (laughs) And so instead of a hundred yards, you know, it might've been a 10, 15, 20 yard field. So we could fit that in uh, with plenty of room into the YMCA. The YMCA uh, really helps out a tremendous amount with our soccer, but uh, it was on the, the grounds of the YMCA, and it was fairly easy to set it out. I mean, you you put the lines out, you put the flags out, you know, put the goals out. The goals are small, so you can <laughs> they're easy to put up. Not like the you know the professional ones. Uh, it was quite easy. Uh, it took you know a week or so a couple of weeks but yeah pretty easy thing to do and a pretty rewarding thing to, to do
0: and I, uh, I bet the most rewarding part was watching all those kids play soccer on the fields that your club built it
1: was and that's kind of one of my jobs I would <laughs> walk around and visit with people and see what's going we had you know liars about the, the club of course but uh yeah it was so exciting the smile on the kids the enthusiasm but the parents were so positive and you know Sometimes we got with the bigger kids, you know, you got the referee issues and all, but that really was no issues. We really didn't even have a rest of, uh, referee. Well, we did have referees, but they were more just encouragers, they weren't really calling fouls so much. You know, when you're five years old, six, seven years old, you know, the, the idea is to have fun and to work with a group of people and to do better yourself and just yeah, just share the positivity.
0: When you joined your Optimus Club. And started advancing your optimist career. Did you have a mentor that kind of took you under their wing and kind of showed you things that were going on in the club or you know helped you grow as a leader? Well,
1: Actually, I sure did.
0: Um, after
1: working together with the teams, I, we kind of be, became friends with this uh, dentist, uh, Phil Vandenberg, and we got together. And at the time, he was kind of moving toward being governor of the Michigan district. And so I connected with him and kind of helped him on some of the things he was doing, um, recruiting members, well, building new clubs, kind of one of the neat things we did. Uh, he spearheaded and I went along, and helped him and, and I just uh, taught me a lot. It started with when you talk with people, he he was very patient, uh, persistent and full of optimism, but he connected with the person and not as a sales pitch, but as just an opportunity. And of course some said yes, some said no. But uh, I remember him telling me as we maybe walked away from somebody that said no, he would remind me, well what this no is just for today. We'll be back. <laughs> so I learned a heck of a lot more than that uh, as he went through the stages. Uh, he was a vice president at one time, but I learned, a, I learned a lot. He was a great mentor.
0: One of the things you touched about having him as your mentor and something that I really enjoy doing. Tell us about building a new Optimus Club. Tell us the, the process and how enjoyable it was for you building a new club.
1: Um, Yes, it was a challenge and something. If we're going to expand the organization, we do. But it wasn't so much about that. It was like giving a gift. If we gave a gift of optimism to another community, uh, that was about the best gift that I can think of giving. Now, I mean, we did have to select the proper place. We had to start out with some uh, key people. We had we, you know, talk with the people. We found these things talking with people. At the local um, community, you learn things, and they tell you things, and and so we become part of that. And we just uh, at the, back in those days, we just around, went around and uh, to different. Started with the businesses, and just went around to businesses and talked to them about optimism, what, what a club in their area would do, and um, that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, it was hard work, uh, but um, we met a lot of people, and it was incredible. The rewarding. Uh, When I talk about it today, um, to me, those are the heroes of optimists out there. There are many heroes. The heroes is a person that takes optimism to another community and starts from scratch and builds that optimism. And as a matter of fact, we have little medallions for that, but truly these are the heroes of optimists and any optimist can do that.
0: And building a club is one of the most fun experiences I have ever had. I'm looking forward to building more. So it's something that you should think about if you are an optimist listening to this podcast about building a club in your area, or even just joining a club if you have not been an optimist before. Yes, yes, indeed. Mike, on your, obviously your road of optimism, when would you start to take on more of a leadership role? What was that moment where you said, I want to be a leader, I want to do more? Uh,
1: well, after being president, um, working with this mentor, Phil Vandenberg. Um, He convinced me, and well, I didn't have to convince me, I wanted to do it. He was going to take classes at the University of Notre Dame, which was just about, oh, 10 to 12 miles away from us, so it was accessible, and they had a program for people that were working now. It was a business on business administration, and it wasn't a degree program. It was a certificate program that we went there for. I think it was just one semester, Uh, but we went there together and learned about operating. And particularly, we were learning about operating a nonprofit, uh, which is Optimus. And one of the things uh, I've always kind of considered myself in my practice as being analytical and kind of an introvert. Um, But the aha moment, we had an aha moment when the uh, classes on employment and personnel and working with personnel really was the subject. And part of that subject was uh, taking a personality profile. And the one that was popular back then was the Myers-Briggs personality profile. And we all took it. And sure enough, mine came out with the analytical part and the introverted part. But again, the aha moment was when that person said, the instructor uh, said, yeah, this is your personality. It's your comfort zone. Uh, But we're not to live there. Uh, In order to grow or or to move ourselves forward or other people's forward, we have to step out of those uh, comfort zone and reach out or learn new ways to interact. And for me, that was the the, the introvert part. And yeah, it was kind of hard. I started and I, you know, you know, you just have to shake hands, you reach out your hand and um, introduce yourself and start a conversation. That was awkward. But um, boy, after, you know, 20 or 30 hellos, not only became doable and comfortable, but it also really became very informative. And quite honestly, uh, I began, I really learned to love meeting new people. Uh, It was quite an amazing thing. Yeah. So that was a big jump in my career toward being a future leader.
0: What are some challenges that you met as being OI president? Obviously the leadership, there was obviously roadblocks and things and hurdles we had to jump over, but what are some of the Challenges that that you that you overcame when you were president.
1: Um, yes, as international president, um, well, I had some advantages there. Uh, first of all, let, well, we'll start with the uh, challenge, and that challenge was a declining membership, and um, that wasn't unusual because it was pretty common back in the, in most civic service organizations. But um, yeah, our challenge was to correct that and start us growing again. So that's. Uh, what the biggest challenge was. There were a lot of strategies and all, which I'll save for some other day or whatever. But um, I had the advantage of kind of being in the right place at the right time in in the leadership as I moved through the offices. And one was being um, the chairman of the Leadership Development Committee. And in terms of that, we really took the bull by the horns, if you will, and kind of ramped that up. We spent a year... Uh, developing curriculum, uh, standard curriculum that could be shared with any or any Optimist Club there. And so uh, we did that. And then we uh, created a, a new website called optimistleaders.com. Uh, optimistleaders.com has kind of evolved to a, a more of an administrative thing. But back then, it was created just for the education process of uh, access to uh information about learning how to do their job. And then we correct, in in connection with that, we created a certified trainer program. We took probably the top 20 people in the organization that could uh, speak and could teach. Um, And that was a big job. It just took months and hundreds of calls just to try to get recommendations, but we settled on 20, but um, that too. So those three things really set the stage for
0: taking on this of building back the organization. And through your optimist career, how has this helped you in your day to day job as an eye care professional?
1: Um, yes, actually, preparing was <laughs> as being eye care. Another, in addition to optimism, I'm very active in um, foreign missions for uh, eye care delivery. Um, there are so many people that don't have access to it. So, with, since I had that gift, as an eye doctor, I um, took a few missions. Joined an organization and and uh, took a few missions. The first was to uh, oh, Haiti. Haiti was my first. Uh, Honduras, uh, but treating people and just riding through the countryside and seeing miles and miles how people live really opened my watch. you know. I'd heard about it. And I knew it verbally, but to see it and uh, I mean, people doing their laundry, bathing, uh, washing their utensils, whatever in the uh, the water source pretty much. And of course, here's where, of course disease, uh, that's one of the biggest causes of death in the in world is uh, getting infection from polluted water. But anyway, back to the eye care. Uh, by doing that, uh, I, I took the initiative to form a uh, organization within the state of Michigan uh, to provide eye care in various parts of the world. Um, that went well, real well within a couple of years. I had that development. And we started doing missions ourselves, uh, reaching out to as many as uh, six or seven missions per year. Uh, part of well, I'm kind of hurry That's up in terms of what that brought me after 20 years of doing this and interacting with other. Uh, I became the president of the international uh, arm of Vosh, uh, which is the largest provider of uh, free eye care by professionals around the world. So it was a really big job. But having that on a international basis really helped me understand the world. Helped me understand a lot of people, and so that uh, having that responsible responsibility really prepared me for the job as Optimus president. It's amazing
0: how how much you can learn and grow when you just might even just take a class to learn how to reach out and shake your, shake somebody's hand to introduce yourself. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so simple, but so profound in its results. <laughs> When, when you were OI president, what would you say your greatest adventure was or your favorite memory of being OI president?
1: Okay, well, in terms of favorite adventure, well, the most meaningful contact was it was a RV tour. And this was in the uh, summer of 2006, a few years back. But at that time, a movie was just released a couple of weeks before. Well, we knew this, uh, called RV recreational vehicle. And it was a kind of a funny movie. So anyway, we took that on and we took a tour of Eastern Canada and the Eastern United States all in uh, uh, two weeks. But what we did is we started in St. Louis, um, worked our way up through the Midwest and into Canada and across the Eastern part of Canada, ending up in Montreal. uh, Along the way, stopping two times a day Three times a day sometimes a pretty big events. I mean, for some reason, it drew a crowd. I mean, of course, the president, maybe. Uh, but uh, it was quite amazing. Uh, and then we completed by going down the East Coast and back up the other side of the, back up to St. Louis. But stopping two to three times a day with major events was exhausting. But oh, my goodness, uh, connecting individually with thousands of dedicated Fired up optimists, really, just—I mean, wow! It gave you all the strength in the world and the attention. And again, my my speeches were short, <laughs> uh, but to the point in directing on a certain thing. Um, but boy, the, the 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 people themselves when they talk with you about their project, the gleam in their eye, uh, the fact that they're telling the president these things—I uh, was enthralled. Enthralled. <laughs> But, I mean, it's just a heart-rendering thing to connect directly with so many people, uh, so many optimists. It was hardworking, and the projects were magnificent. They showed us a lot. They were doing a lot. Some of those, a lot of those stops were during a certain um. Projects that they were doing with kids, so it, it was amazing. Well, oh.
0: I think maybe the crowds were there just, because they thought maybe Robin Williams was with you in the RV, hoping you know, because you were RVing down since that movie had just come out.
1: You think that's why the big crowd? <laughs> no, <I> just,
0: <laughs> I, no um, it's amazing, like you said, to see these projects firsthand. You you can't even really describe the feeling that you get when you're there working on a project in your community, and no, you, you can you, you like I to see numerous it. ones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Fired up, people. I might just, I want to put a footnote.
1: Uh, Benny Ellerbe, our international uh, uh, CEO, um, and Jacques Pallan, who was in charge of our Canadian office, both worked together to put that whole chip on. They scheduled it, and uh, it was boom, boom, boom. Um, um, So I wanted to put them in. (laughs) For credit, they they made this happen,
0: enabled it. Oh,
1: one more thing, if I could. Uh,
0: Absolutely. We're sharing your Optimist story here, Mike.
1: Yeah, well, good. Uh, one of the things we have really put on the front in Optimus is the uh, working for childhood cancer. And we had put a program together, and it was about five years into it when I uh, was on this trip. And the cancer research uh, was uh, contracted that we were going to fund, was contracted with Johns Hopkins Pediatric Oncology in Baltimore, Maryland. Maryland. Uh, It just so happened that on our our RV tour, we were coming right back there. And we had scheduled the the, um, powers that be had scheduled this well before. So we had the opportunity on behalf of the Optimist International Foundation to present a check for $480,000 to the Johns Hopkins Pediatric Oncology. And the real bonus was, in addition to that, um, uh, our, 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 our target was a million dollars, but we were about halfway. So we made our first payment. But um, the magic was that we, in the term, um, my daughter actually told me about this, that we create a research fellowship that is labeled as a research fellowship. And that really means one researcher or one team of research is working on one particular aspect of uh, childhood cancer. And by doing that, it's kind of an official thing that uh, this red is learned. Up. Anyway, the word would spread to other research facilities, other healthcare providers, and it just would make us a little more authentic. <laughs> so that was just a real uh, opportunity to represent the Optimist International Foundation with that check. And
0: you know, one of the things that you you know we talk about when you're Optimist International president, you talk about the trips and all the stuff that you get to do, but one of the things that was very unique to your presidency You had the most growth in Optimus International since 1980. Tell us a little bit about that and the feeling of how the excitingness of that, the the organization growing.
1: Yes. um, We were very fortunate to have really good people, and any any organization to grow has to have that. I'm going to just Take a minute and take some notes. I have some people, and if I start talking without putting their name down, I don't want to miss any of this. But, um, and so I am very excited about that. Our entire team worked, we put the training source for the nine months before we even started. Uh, and um, so yeah, we we talked about leading by example and. We set the example, I hope, my team, uh, my vice presidents, uh, governors were particularly important because uh, to me, our system to get the word to the members and in the club, uh, the governor was halfway between the international president and the club, and there were some other tiers, but um, those governors were really the um, the thing that did it, uh, them being really Successful in their own team. We had something like 53% of our governors being distinguished, and that's a a, a level which we is pretty high to achieve 20% spot normal, but they boy pulled out all the stops. So it was them that, that did the dive. they did the on the ground work. Uh, we had a record number of new clubs, and that was uh, undertaken by Sandy Larrabee and Lois Philbrick. Who really pushed that and introduced and ran that program? Uh, it was great. And I had a database guy, uh, D Rushford. Uh, that we had a lot of a lot of information at Optimus headquarters, and that went to D Rushford every every month. And what he would do is he is re, re resort it and put it together in a place where I could understand and quickly access. He color coded certain areas. For things people did um, along the way that, that came up. But anyway, I had a wealth of, of knowledge there. So I ended up spending uh, most nights uh, from six o'clock to 10 o'clock calling people. And it just was a rotation. The first part, six o'clock, it started calling Eastern Zone. And you know, seven o'clock, it was central and right on down. So the spent an hour in each time zone for three or four nights a week. Um, that was, a, again, a lot of work, but a lot of reward and personal connecting. And the strategy I, I used was not to call them, to tell them we're missing something or do this. It was really from this chart, I pick up the great things that they have done. If they've added members recently, if they built a new club, if they have uh, done a special project or, or, I mean, just all sorts of things. But, um, I mean, that was a huge uh part of that communication. So I could talk with the president. I could go right direct to the uh, local club, the members through the president of that those clubs. So that was one of our greatest uh things. And then of course Benny Ellerby, our executive director, really uh helped with that tremendous amount. He uh we worked so well together and you need that, you know, in an organization. Uh and and Jacques Lan, of course, when I was up in the canada he would do amazing things connecting with
0: people well mike we cannot about having good people well mike we cannot say thank you enough to these you, you know past international presidents because if it wasn't for people like you helping us tell these stories we wouldn't really truly be bringing out the best in kids.
1: Uh, as a side note um bringing out the best in kids was our theme for that and that tended to hang on it was a theme not that i thought of but we had some research uh three or four years before I was president. And they recommended this, this um, marketing thing. And so it was pretty easy. But one thing I want to end with was the Rose Bowl Parade. Uh, oh, amazing thing to represent the organization, to ride on the front of that float with my wife. We'd go down five miles of people lining the streets. Uh, the Rose Bowl Parade is watched all over the world and I figured we're trying to figure out how many people we wave to and we figured it could be millions. <laughs> Not sure about that, but optimism is exciting. Optimism changes a life. And I encourage everybody to grab a hold of optimism. Mike, Thank- I can't
0: tell you so much. Thank you for being with us today and sharing your optimist story. And as you guys are following our podcast, we always like to wrap up with a quote that we have. And today This one sums up Mike's journey pretty well. It's part of being an optimist is keep moving forward with one's head pointed toward the sun and your feet always moving forward. We would like to thank you for listening to the Choose Optimism podcast. If you like our podcast, please give us a five-star review and share with your family and friends to let them know what's going on in your community as well. And until next time, remember to choose optimism.